And welcome back to Success Made to Last. I'm Rick Tokini. This is our Author's Corner. This show is presented by Edward Jones Financial Advisors along with Gracefully Yours Greeting Cards. I'm excited about the guest that we've got on today. It's author Anthony Brinkley. And uh, Anthony has written a book called You Can't Run Away From You, Journaling the Rise to Manhood. This book will take you on a journey through the eyes, voice, and perception of a young Anthony Brinkley as he experiences a host of challenges while maneuvering his evolution to manhood. Anthony, welcome to Success Made to Last. It is uh, it is really an honor to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you and your audience. Well, you are most welcome. Let's start by you sharing your own backstory. Well, um, I was born originally in a, a little place called Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. And then because of um, opportunities, my mother, she moved us up north. in Stanford, Connecticut is the place that I, I uh, actually grew up until I decided to go into the Air Force at the age of 18. Um, you know, d- d- even about the book part, you know, um, when I was five years old, my life changed significantly because I thought I was going to pre-K and we went for about a three-hour ride and we ended up in a hospital and that became began, began an odyssey for me for about six months going through the chemotherapy and other forms of treatment. And, um, that's one of the reasons I became maybe introverted and, and, and journaling and writing became a part of my journey. Wow. And what was the uh, diagnosis and prognosis? So um, back then they used to test you for various things in school. This was like in 1971, 72 time frame, And I ended up being diagnosed with tuberculosis. And of course, back then, and even in some regard today, they would uh, put you in a quarantine or, you know, so I was in a children's hospital. Um, and again, um, it, my whole orientation to my life and those around me changed drastically because I went through separation anxiety. I was depressed. I was angry. I was confused. And, you know, I was five years old. So it was, it was pretty traumatic. Well, it must have been. And I'm guessing at five years old, you were probably too young to start journaling, but at a minimum, it's our bet that you internalize some of that trauma. No, I was too young. I was too young to journal, but I wasn't too young to internalize. And so I basically made a choice that I couldn't trust people, um, that I'd have to look out for myself, and that if people got close to you, they would find a way to leave. And so as I got older and, and that, that mindset became destructive in relationships and in connecting with people, I started to try to understand why I had cycles that continue to repeat themselves. And that's when the journaling started to take place. It actually started to take place while I was in the United States Air Force. So joining the Air Force at 18, what led to that decision to join? Well, the, the short version is um, I knew I saw a lot growing up. And, and again, again, I captured a lot of this in my writing. And, and what happened was. I saw many of my people in my family or my neighborhood. Uh, it was almost a, you know, an aberration if somebody graduated from high school. Uh, it was more normalized to see someone doing crime, criminal activities. Um, I saw I saw someone die in front of me in the first grade. I had a gun pulled on me in the first grade. So I didn't really know what I wanted, but I know what I didn't want. And I didn't want to be another statistic. I didn't want to just let the confines of my life be, you know, the several blocks that 
you know, to configure themselves around where I lived. So I, I just did my research and, and I looked at the different branches. And then the other element was um, when I turned 18, my father and I, we were starting to butt heads. And, you know, two, you know, typically two grown men can't live in the same house. And, um, and so it was time for me to go. And that was my, the genesis that jettisoned me to the Air Force. And uh, please summarize your years in the Air Force, going from a boy to a man. Well, one, um, one of the great things the Air Force did, some, one of is that um, it provided me perspective that I didn't have. I tell people, it's my humble opinion that the best thing you can give a young person or any person is perspective. So if you can't, if you can't see something by being involved in it, maybe you can read or someone can talk to you and you can gain perspective. So um, I had a lot of misconceptions about people who didn't look like me or came from different walks of life. And when I was in the military, it forced me to examine those things and unpack those things, why I felt that way. And some of the, some of my best friends ended up being people who did come from different backgrounds and who didn't look like me. So I gained perspective. I gained discipline. And then I gained a sense of camaraderie where a lot of um, my my anxiety and different things about connecting with people, it, they, they came down because we were in some pretty challenging environments. So, you know, you got to let go of anything that can inhibit you from doing what you're doing. So I, I'm, I'm really grateful for what the military provided for me to do. And, um, and I just feel like I hope that I, I served them well in exchange. Hey, and thank you, Anthony, for your service to our country. Your voice is truly an inspiration. Hey, take a few minutes to compare what you think a college experience versus the military would have been like and how that comparison may help young people decide on which direction they may take today. My comments is I I really believe that people each, well, first of all, the odds of being born, it's like one in 400, one in 400 trillion. That's it. So, So just to be born, you hit the lottery in life. So what I believe is there's no one path um, that everyone has to take. For some people, they have the mental acuity, they have the maturity, and they can go into and matriculate into college and do exceptionally well. I knew that I wasn't that person. I knew that I lacked the discipline, and if someone wasn't standing over me, I would have flunked out quick. I would have just been going to keg parties and different things until they asked me to leave the campus. So I just figured, hey, you know what, I need to go somewhere where – I can maybe uh, gain some perspective, get some discipline and actually learn a trade. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think the, when you, when you juxtapose college versus the military, I just think it's what people are looking for from each of those entities. And for me, and so, and Oh, by the way, if you go in the military, you can actually go to college. It's just, you don't really have the college campus experience. But now if you look at what's going on in our world now with social distancing and technology, I mean, there's a, a large amount of people who don't even attend college in person. So uh, I think some of the dynamics that they have changed, but I would just end it with this by saying, I think people need to take, that's why I call the book, You Can't Run Away From You, because it's about examining yourself and not just falling into norms that people might try to put upon you in, a, in the realm of expectation and figure out that best, that best path, path that you can take. So that one in 400 trillion that you are, you can actually have the impact that you actually came here to have. Yeah, that's right. There's a, a significant uh, difference, though, I think, when people read your book and then they start to face themselves in the mirror 
what, by the virtue of reading your book, what do you want the, your audience to be able to do when they face themselves in the mirror so they don't elude the person that they see? One, thank you for that. That's a very thoughtful question. Um, one of the things I did when I wrote the book was, I'm the subject of the book, but the book's really about life. And, and so to your question, yep. many, many of the people who have commented upon reading my book, at a certain point, they stop seeing me. And then they start seeing themselves or similar circumstances that they went through or someone that they know in the book. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm of the belief that many people live this earth and they never really do what they came to do. And it's because of the question that you asked. And, and I believe that the first thing that, you know, in life, you can't address what you haven't acknowledged. So when you take the time to see and assess who you are, if you're able to do that on your own or you can get a, a friend or, or, you know, they have different organizations that can help you kind of self-analyze. Once you figure out what those things are that make you who you are, then the question becomes the things that work well, do I have the durability and focus to continue to do them? And the things that aren't going the way that I want them to go, they don't correspond with growth and development. Do I have the fortitude to adjust those things? Because I really believe that life is just about making the right choices and having the fortitude to adjust. So to your question, once you see the things that maybe don't correspond, but you're going the way you need to go, do you have the focus, determination, and diligence, and discipline to do those things? Because when you do those things, the best out of you comes, and now everyone from you and around you benefits from that best part of you displaying itself. That is one extraordinary answer, my friend. Hey, I don't want to give away all the rest of your book secrets. So um, everybody, hey, go out there and buy this book at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can't run away from you. Anthony, is it possible that your book may be able to help some of our listening audience growing up who do not have both parents in the home? Yes. Um from the standpoint that, well, one, I think we all have, I was talking, I was doing an interview with a guy in California and he, we were talking about um, people going through trauma. And I explained to him that in America, 50% of Americans experience trauma before the age of 14 in America, 75% of us experience some traumatic event before the age of 24. So basically most people that you run into in your adult life, have experienced some form of trauma. And he was saying to me, yeah, I was, but I was talking to this young kid, you know, he came from a privileged background. I was taking him into treatment and he was saying, and I was saying to the kid, um, he was saying, he told the guy, well, I don't understand what your problem is. You grew up in affluence. You have both your parents, you have this and that. I don't get it. And I said, I explained to him, I said, well, it, I would ask you to consider this. Trauma can come just because you have a different area code, a zip code, or you have what's considered a nuclear family does not preclude you from experiencing things. And so to, to your point and your question, I believe that if we're just open enough to realize, one, we don't have all the answers within us. We have all the pieces within us to, for, for the proverbial puzzle, but sometimes we need help from people to help us put those pieces together. So although my father was in and out of my life and I witnessed trauma, I saw somebody got killed at a young age, had a gun pulled on me. I was an angry individual. People didn't give up on me. So outside of my own family, there were people who availed themselves to me, just like talking to you. you you've already said one or two things that made me think, wow, this guy has empathy. 
This guy's a good listener. How, where, how's my empathy? How's my listening skill? So I, I would say to anyone who has circumstances going on in their life, what's going on with you is true and it's factual. Now that you've assessed that it's true and it's factual, where can you find the resources or, or perspectives that can help you gain perspective so that now we don't continue to go back to that narrative of what we feel like we're lacking, but we can leverage what we, we can have access to to enhance and, and, and limit that gap? Yeah, well said. I, I'm tired of old narratives. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm tired of people being angry. I wish that we could have more conversations like this so we could help others create their own odyssey. And I, I just think that there's not enough uh, people like you that want to come out and speak about their own journey and lay it all out there on the line so everybody can see it and then they can see themselves in it. And that's why I think that's why I thought you would be such a captivating guest on Author's Corner because you're not you don't have a pity party. You're just telling your own story and you're saying, "Here's what happened to me," and those are the best life lessons for us to learn. Well, I, I totally agree with you. And one of the reasons that I I, I like your show because I, I I did my research and I looked at you know what you all stand for and the people that you have up there, and and, I, and this is what I would tell people. When you said something about anger, I tell people, I think America has in, I, I, when I do training, because I'm a life coach too now, and I tell people, I say, spell out the word anger, A-N-G-E-R. And then I say, spell out the word danger, D-A-N-G-E-R. And I say, if you, if you don't deal with the anger in your life, you are this close to a dangerous situation. So I believe in our country, we have an undiagnosed anger problem. Depend, it doesn't even matter what side of the anger that you're on. It becomes them and us. And so now, why do these riots happen? Why are people storming this building? It's because people feel like, for whatever reason, they couldn't be heard any other way. And I am not defending that at all. I'm just making a point to your point. So the first thing is acknowledge how you feel and then try to find a productive way to unpack it. But, but to, to another point to what you said is this. If you want to make a difference in life, I simply submit this to you for your consideration. The thing that bothers you the most, it's not there to simply bother you. It is there to compel you to do something about it. So the reason that I believe, one of the reasons that you have the radio platform that you have or the the, the technology-based platform that you have is because you didn't like what wasn't being said. You didn't like what what was being discussed. So you said, listen, I'm going to take my time and focus and take my anger and frustration and turn it around and challenge things to provoke people to think, to move them to action. So I submit to most to your listeners, don't just be caught up in anger at the point of your anger, but let anger push you to be a part of it. Why doesn't this bother them? The reason it doesn't bother them is because that's not the thing they're supposed to engage. The thing that bothers you is where your ministry and your calling is confined and located. And now you get to decide if you're going to take it on and tackle it and make a positive difference in the world you live in. Hey, that's it. You just summed it up. I think you're going to move people from ordinary to extraordinary. But you got to take little steps to move in the right trajectory. So, Anthony... When are you going to come out with volume two, three, and four? Um, that's a really good question. I mean, we we just did you know volume one, and we're we're just kind of rolling around, and 
it's something I want to work on. Um, so I don't, ha- I don't have an exact two, three, and four date timeline, but I would, I will just tell you this. Um, I, I am, <laughs> so I, I, I won't dance around the question. I will just tell you that I want to encourage you. You asked me a lot of questions. You made a lot of statements. I want to encourage you to stay the course. I want to encourage you to continue to be that voice that helps. Sometimes we, 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 we know the feeling, but we don't have the ability sometimes to make it, to illuminate it in a cogent, logical way. I want to thank you for giving voice to those who can't maybe bring it out the right way with eloquence. And I want to thank you for having given me the opportunity to engage with you and your amazing audience. And um, when the good Lord tells me it's time for number two and three and four, then that's what I'm going to do. But right now I am just, I am just, you know, just totally blown away by your kindness, your empathy, your candor, and your knowledge. So thank you for allowing me to illuminate with you for just a few minutes. Hey, not only did you earn it, but you represent wonderful personal growth. One final comment from you, please. Would Can you encourage our listening audience to move from ordinary to extraordinary so there was a there was a story in a good book about moses and you know he he led all these people out of a tough situation and then they they ran up to this uh you know the red sea had mountains on the right and the left and pharaoh's army chased him and he's like lord why would you bring me out here for me to be stuck and now we're you know we're, we have we're at the precipice of this bad situation and the lord said what's in your hand and he said i have a staff in my hand He's like, well, if you just keep walking and you commit that staff to me, I will, I will part the seas for you. And and I would just submit to your audiences myself is that what is ever in your hand, use everything in your hand. It could be perspective. It could be helping, helping good works. It could be benevolence, altruistic things. Use what's in your hand and, and, and use what's in your hand for a greater good. And when you dedicate what you have to a greater good, and you keep walking despite how you feel, you're going to get a result that's going to change people. And lastly, when I'm, when I'm having a bad day, I, I, I look for a bird because when I, cause there are many birds. The average bird eats about half their body weight every day. And a bird is singing and a bird is happy. And when a bird's ready to eat, it's always something ready for the bird to eat. So if I'm having a – and I said, if the good Lord will take care of a bird, then if I'm having a problem, he's going to take care of me. So use what's in your hand, give more than you get, and understand if he will take care of a bird, I think we're going to be all right. Thank you, Anthony. Anthony, how can our listening audience get in touch with you? They can reach me at, um, they can reach me at On The Brink Consulting, O-N-T-H-E-B-R-I-N-K Consulting.com, or they could just hit me at Anthony.Brinkley at OnTheBrinkConsulting.com. Anthony, please come back and join us again. It would be an honor to have you back on the show again. It has been an honor. God bless you and everything that you stand for. Folks, that was Anthony Brinkley, author of You Can't Run Away From You, Journaling the Rise to Manhood. What a great guest. I really enjoyed uh, talking with Anthony today. And man, he is is, uh, older than his age. Uh, really a man of wisdom, common sense, and such wonderful knowledge. Uh, looking forward to having, having Anthony back on the show again. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you continuing to listen to our wonderful shows here at 
Success Made to Last. And uh, we hope that you will join us again and again. Every show is different, but what we're striving to do is to bring you wonderful, inspiring stories that will help you move from ordinary to extraordinary. Folks, have a great week. So thanks to our sponsor, Edward Jones. They are our trusted financial advisor. And Edward Jones has been instrumental in helping us pivot our lives built around health, happiness, travel, and adding value to other people's lives. You can contact our advisor, Serban Maracini, by emailing him at S-E-R-B-A-N period M-A-R-A-C-I-N-E at edwardjones.com. And thanks again to their sponsorship of this program. Gracefully Yours is America's favorite encouragement greeting card company. When you need encouragement, prayers, thank you, and oh yeah, to celebrate events like birthdays and anniversaries, this is the greatest greeting card company around. You can get it all at gracefully-yours.com today. And you know while you spend 3 to $4 per individual card that you may buy at a Walmart, a Walgreens, a CVS, a Cost Plus World Market, or, and maybe even buying cards for a dollar or $1.50 at dollar stores, Gracefully Yours cards can be purchased in their artsy collection of 12 cards. This is their box cards. That'll cost you less than 75 cents per card. And top it off with, those are delivered to your home, your office, your church, your company, wherever, with free shipping. You just can't beat the quality, the value. They're 50-some-odd wonderful fine artists that are all a part of the Gracefully Yours collection. So support Gracefully Yours today. Go to gracefully-yours.com today and support that company. And if you want to get your cards at an extra discount, through Success Made to Last, you can put in the promotion code BOOK3 today. That's B-O-O-K-3 and get 25% off your total purchase.